Thank you, Catherine. How's everyone doing? Everyone all right? Good, man. Uh, my name is Isaac. I'm part of the team here at HTB. I love it here. Great vibes, great people. So if this is your first time uh, or you're watching online, kick back, relax, and enjoy it to the max. As you can tell, my rap career isn't going very well at the moment. Uh, the title of this talk is Why Not? I grew up in an area called Custom House, which is in East London. Uh, we were raised on a council estate. My mum and my dad came over to England from Ghana and had me and my younger brother here. And he's ever so slightly better looking than me. Um, my brother was quite chilled out as a kid, but I was always the kind of kid that would ask a lot of questions. It was almost my default to question. I quite enjoyed asking questions, but now my toddler is doing the same thing. It's pretty annoying, I must admit. Um, I always promised myself that I would never become one of those cringe parents that always shows pictures of their kids anytime they're spoken about. Anyway, here's a picture of my son. I see him over there, he's a good guy. When I was a kid, I asked questions because I was genuinely intrigued or I was trying to get out of doing something. But most of the times, it was actually because in my mind, some things just didn't make sense. For example, one of the things I never used to understand was when my mum would tell me to go and tidy my bedroom when we had visitors coming over to our house. I just never really got that concept. Um, she'd say, Isaac, go and tidy your room. Visitors are coming over. And I remember thinking, unless Auntie Beatrice is planning on hanging out in my bedroom for the day, I don't really understand why that's necessary. I did it anyway, because she's Ghanaian and strict. <laughs> it's not wrong to ask questions. It's fine to want to know the reason for something. It's cool to ask why. But sometimes, and especially when something has the potential to be beneficial for us, it's quite liberating to ask yourself, why not? I want to read a short passage from the Bible. If this was a, a radio show, this passage would be like an old school classic. Yeah, it's like the Oasis Wonderwall of Bible passages, the Stevie Wonder, very superstitious of passages. It's an oldie but a goodie, and it's a bit of a Sunday school classic. It's from Luke 19, verses 1 to 10. And it says this, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Now, just to set the scene, Jesus is in Jericho, and that isn't even his main destination. He's just passing through, 
It's kind of like bank underground station. You know, no one ever really goes to bank unless they're passing through. Now, in Jericho is a man named Zacchaeus. And by the way, if you read the notes on my iPad, you'll be horrified because I've said Zacchaeus about 25 times. And each of those times I've spelt his name in a different way. Now, Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector and had a lot of money. Why is this significant? I'll show you why. Uh, Put your hands up if you absolutely love HMRC. You love seeing your payslip at the end of the month and you just love the fact that you've been taxed. Not many people. Well, Zacchaeus, or Zach as I like to call him, view him as Mr. HMRC on steroids. By the way, if anyone is here or is watching that works for HMRC, thank you for all the hard work you do. (laughs) My taxes have been filed on time and God bless you. Now, while reading this account, the thing that strikes me about Zacchaeus is that he's very much a man that asks, why not? He actually manipulated his position by trying to charge the highest taxes possible. So he wasn't very liked, but he was a very wealthy man. Wasn't very liked as a bit of an understatement. He was absolutely hated. And if I was him and I lived in an area where I knew most of the people in that area hated me, I wouldn't really want to walk the streets But Zacchaeus heard Jesus was passing through and he wanted to see him. So he thought, why not? He was a very short man, but saw a tree that he could climb up to get a better view of Jesus. Now, for a man of his position and his reputation, that was actually quite an undignified thing to do. But he thought, why not? Jesus spots him and says, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. And he comes down straight away, which I actually find a bit odd, if I'm being honest. He asks no questions. I don't think Jesus could have got away with that today. Like, could you imagine him saying that to some of you lot? You know, he'd be like to me, Isaac, come down from that tree immediately. And I'd be like, how do you know my name? Are you from a PPI company or something? But not Zacchaeus. He thinks, why not? Of course I'll come down. Now, bear in mind, Zacchaeus was only up there to get a cheeky look at Jesus. It's kind of like when you're on a train and there's no more Evening Standard newspapers left. But the person next to you has got one. So you just try and have a little cheeky look at the stories over their shoulder. But no one tells you that there is no one in this world that is more protective than a Londoner and their Evening Standard newspaper. People get really stressed out if you try and have a look. Just like, chill out, mate. It's free. Zacchaeus just wanted a cheeky look at Jesus and now he's being summoned. Thousands of people there, but somehow Jesus spots a short man in a tree. Not only that, but then Jesus says, I must come and stay at your house. I'm not going to lie, that bit gave me a little bit of anxiety. You know, Have you guys ever seen a friend at the supermarket or on your road or you're chatting to someone after church and they just invite themselves over to your house? I mean, it's not that I don't like having people over at my house. It's just that my house isn't always prepared for unexpected guests. You know, the kitchen's messy, or there's a nappy that I haven't taken out yet, leftover Nando's on the sofa. Who knows what you'll find if you invite yourselves over unexpectedly. And of course, if you're coming over, my wife is going to need some notice so she can do the only thing that she loves more than me, which is to light a Joe Malone candle. Um... But not Zacchaeus. Jesus says, I'm coming over. And Zacchaeus thinks, why not? Not only that, but it says that he welcomed him gladly. 
Now that's really important because Jesus wouldn't go if he wasn't welcome. The theologian Charles Spurgeon says this, Christ will not force himself into any man's house and sit there against the man's will. That would not be the action of a guest, but of an unwelcome intruder. So my guy Zach, the tax collector that was hated, went to seek Jesus. And because of his open-mindedness, curiosity, and optimism, he ended up sitting down with Jesus in his own yard. Powerful things can happen when we ask, why not? It opens us up to new possibilities. It enables us to believe. It creates an opportunity for hope. And it provides a window of permission for Jesus to reach in and not only be involved in our lives, but to open our eyes to what he already has for us. So why are we so good at asking why and not the best at asking why not? Well, the first thing is disappointment. It's hard to be optimistic and open-minded when you've done it before in the past and you've been left disappointed. People in your life have made you promises and you've chosen to believe them. And just after you've gained their trust or they've gained your trust, they let you down. We're left feeling rejected and vulnerable. And so when Jesus is calling your name and saying, I want to help you, you think, why? Everyone else in my life that has said that has failed me. Secondly, maybe it's your own mistakes or insecurities. For God so loved the world. Why? He may love the world, but why would God love me? You might think if you have any ideas of the things that I've done in my life, you would not tell me that God loves me. Maybe there's people in your life that as soon as they've found out your deepest, darkest secrets, they've chosen not to love you anymore. Maybe you think you're beyond help. Maybe you're ashamed. Maybe you've hurt too many people. Verse 7 in this passage shows us how quick people are to remind us of those things. It says, They began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Why would Jesus love a sinner like me? And the third thing is, maybe you've tried Jesus, but life is still hard. You've been disappointed, you've made mistakes, but you still chose to try Jesus. But a few months later, you're still struggling to find a job. You pray for that loved one, but they still didn't make it through. You try to conquer your addiction, but it's still there. You've tried Jesus, but life is still hard. The only thing I can tell you is you've got a point. And even though I can't relate to your specific situation, those feelings of disappointment, making mistakes, and life being hard, they're universal. I felt that when my dad passed away in 2017 after a short battle with cancer. He went into hospital on Friday and he had passed away by Tuesday. I prayed for Jesus to make him better. But it didn't happen. God has answered so many of my prayers, but not that one. After that, I didn't feel like saying, why not, to Jesus. I didn't want to get my hopes up and be open to life getting better, only to be met with another tragedy later on down the line. But here's why I chose to fight. And here's why we can say, why not, to Jesus. The first thing is, I've said why not to pretty much everything else in life. And those things 
weren't even beneficial to me. When my dad passed away, I wanted to numb the pain. Alcohol was calling my name and I said, why not? It ended up in me drinking more than necessary and put a strain on some of my relationships. It's funny, sometimes we don't need much convincing to turn to things that in the long run aren't beneficial for us. If I said why not to those things, why wouldn't I say the same to Jesus? And secondly, I've got questions, but I need to get closer to Jesus for the answers. I'm not saying we should have a blind faith. Christianity isn't a blind leap into the dark. It's a knowledgeable step into the light. The claim that faith is blind simply ignores biblical and historical evidence. That evidence is covered in depth on the Alpha course. I'd encourage anyone to try it if they haven't already. But I've got questions like, the world is a mess. Where is my place in it? Or why did my dad get taken in his 50s with no warning? Or why does racism exist? What is my purpose in life? We're seeking answers to our questions, but sometimes we need to say, why not to Jesus first? Because that gives us the access we need to be able to ask why. Maybe Zacchaeus had a lot of questions, but he didn't ask them from the sycamore tree. He came down from the tree, met with Jesus, welcomed him gladly, and then asked him anything he wanted to. I grew up in a church that said, if you accept Jesus, life would be great. And for the most part it is, but they forgot to tell me that life would still be hard and the storms would still rock the boat. So I promised myself that if I was ever in a position to tell people about Jesus, I'd try and manage their expectations a little bit. So here's the small print, the bit that no one reads on the little online things. What can we expect from Jesus? Well, the first thing is unconditional love. Nothing you can do will separate you from God's love. His power to forgive is greater than your power to make a mistake. You don't have to earn his love. And like it says in verse 10, he came to seek and save the lost. He knows your name and he loves you. And this will never change. I think that's maybe why he called Zacchaeus by name when he was in the tree. I think Jesus wanted him to know that he knew his name and that he was loved. Back in those days, culturally, it was a big deal for Jesus to go to Zacchaeus' house. If you mixed with a sinner, you were guilty by association. It's kind of like going to a Chelsea fan's house. I'm only joking. Jesus didn't care though. He isn't like us. When someone is on the outside, when someone doesn't fit in, when someone has made mistakes, but they come seeking, Jesus doesn't reject them. He accepts them. The second thing we can expect from Jesus is his presence. When my dad passed away, I didn't like it. I wasn't happy with God. But one thing I'll never forget is his presence. I knew he was there. I hated the situation. But it wasn't completely lonely because God was with me. It's a bit like back in the day um, when I'd ask my dad for a Happy Meal and he'd say, no, there's rice at home. <laughs> in that car journey home, I hated the situation. I didn't agree with him, but I knew that my dad who loved me was in the car with me and ultimately cared for me. And he has a wiser plan 
that I maybe couldn't understand at that age. The third thing we can expect from Jesus is transformation. Jesus transforms us. He transforms how we view the world. He transforms how we treat people. Look what happens in verse 8. It says, But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Personally, I think it was a bit hasty from Zacchaeus there, you know. I would have given away maybe like two pairs of trainers, ones that I haven't worn in years. But he's different. And for Zach to say that was huge because up until that point, money was everything to him. He was living nice, you know. There was no cars back in those days, but you might have seen him rolling through High Street Kensington on a donkey with personalised hooves or something like that. He was just living a good life. Now, I don't know what happened in that house, but being with Jesus, sitting down with him, experiencing his unconditional love and presence transforms Zacchaeus instantly. Can our lives change as quickly as this? Yes and no. Not every habit in the life of Zacchaeus changed immediately, but his heart changed, which is very important. The fourth thing that we can expect for Jesus is perfect glory. Romans 8 verse 18 says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. A lot of us have had a lot of suffering. And that verse says they're not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. So imagine how special that perfect glory will be. Let's choose to believe again. Let's choose to hope again. Even if you've been disappointed, let's get our optimism back. I remember the church I grew up in, there was a guy that would come up to the front and he'd say that, you know, he hears from God and God would tell him some stuff about people and he'd pray for them. And I remember at one point, you know, my knee was quite bad at the time and he came up to the front and he said, there's someone here that's got a bad knee. And I remember thinking... Well, that's not really that impressive. You know what I mean? Like, it's about 400 people here. And if those 400 people are anything like me and my friends, about 80% of them have probably got a dodgy knee. If you really want to impress me, give, them, give me their name and their date of birth or something like that. But I want to get my optimism back. I want to choose to believe that people do hear from God. God can heal people and my knee can get better. What if it doesn't? well, I'll be in the same position that I'm in now. But what if it does? What if I believe? What if we believe? We're all seekers, tree climbers, trying to find some perspective, some peace. And then Jesus comes, joyful to receive sinners, and we are joyful to be saved. Keep coming back to church. Keep watching online. Check out the Alpha course. Have honest and authentic conversations with amazing and interesting people that aren't like you. It can be a bit scary, especially if you're like me and you're a bit socially awkward and can say the wrong things in conversations. A couple months ago, I had to take a flight to Italy and my Uber driver dropped me off at the airport and said, have a good flight, mate. And I said, you too. I used to think, church, hmm, they lift both of their hands, sing songs together, praise someone, 
clap, and then they go home. It's a little bit weird. Until, as an avid West Ham supporter, I went to a game, lifted both my hands, sung I'm Forever Blowing Bubbles, praised the team, clapped, and then went home. We're all designed to worship something. And a few of us have probably worshipped pretty much everything else. So when it comes to Jesus, the loving, present, transforming saviour of the world, why not? I'd love for us to, to stand on our feet if we can. Just feel like someone here might have a bad knee. Uh, I'm only joking. You might do, you might do. And if that is you, um, then God wants to heal you. And I genuinely believe that there's people here that have tried pretty much everything else. And you haven't found the fulfillment you've been looking for. You haven't found the peace you've been looking for. I want you to know that Jesus has that in abundance. There might be people here that have felt like they are way too far from what they think Jesus is looking for. I want you to know that you're not. Jesus loves you and he knows your name. He cares for you unconditionally. I'm just going to count up to three and I'd love for everyone to just shout out their name as loud as possible. One, two, three. I could do a bit better than that, I reckon. One, two, three. Jesus knows your name and he loves you. Loves you unconditionally. Wants to be present in your life. Wants to transform you, give you peace. Whatever it is that has been blocking you from receiving that. Mistakes, insecurities, disappointment, trouble. Jesus is bigger. Jesus is bigger. Father, Lord, I pray for your people, Lord. I pray, pray for anyone that's seeking and searching. I even pray for people that might think they're doing all right. I know that if we haven't got you in this life, Lord, we'll never be as fulfilled as we think we might be. And so right now, I ask your spirit to come and meet with us. Right now, I ask that by your strength, Lord, by your power, you would help us believe. You would help us believe that you have a plan for us in our lives. You will help us believe that we're not defined by our past, by our mistakes, by our regrets. Any times in life that we have felt unloved, pour in your love, Lord. Fill us. Give us that peace that surpasses all understanding. Today we choose to hope again. We choose to believe again. For that, there's maybe a few people here that have been praying for things for years. And at some point, you've just given up. I don't believe God's going to do that in this lifetime. 
God wants you to believe again. He wants you to hope again. He can do it in the mighty name of Jesus. Meet with us here today, Lord.